Hello, friend. Thanks so much for downloading this podcast. And with all my heart, I hope you hear something that edifies, encourages, equip, enlightens, and then engages you in the marketplace of ideas. But before you go and before you listen, I want to take a quick moment and explain to you this month's truth tool. The book is called I Believe, A Concise Guide to the Essentials of the Christian Faith. You know, it's paramount as followers of Christ that we not only know what we believe, but why we believe it. So questions like heaven and hell, angels, the Trinity, all of these are foundational issues for believing Christians. But sometimes we don't fully understand what it is we believe about Christianity. So the book, I Believe, A Concise Guide to the Essentials of the Christian Faith is just that. It's concise and it's a wonderful guide to explain to you the cornerstones of who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. It's yours for a gift of any amount because In the Market with Janet Partial is a listener-supported broadcast. We stay on the air because you pray and give. So if you'd like this month's Truth Rule, just call 877-JANET-58. Ask for a copy of I Believe. That's 877-JANET-58. Or you can go online to InTheMarketWithJanetPartial.org. Scroll to the bottom of the page. There's the cover of the book. Give a gift of any amount. We'll send it to you as our way of saying thank you. While you're on that website, you might want to take a moment, scroll down just a little bit farther, and there's a description of what it means to be a partial partner. These are people who give at a level of their own choosing, and they give every month. They get the truth tool if they ask for it every single month, and they'll also get a newsletter, only people that do, that includes an audio portion that only goes to my partial partners. So if you want to be a partial partner or you're just interested in giving one time to get a copy of I Believe, 877-JANET-58 is the route to go, 877-JANET-58, or online at InTheMarketWithJanetPartial.org. I Believe, a great book for you to put in your backpack as you continue your Pilgrim's Progress. Now, please enjoy the podcast. Here are some of the news headlines we're watching. By the time the conference was over, the president won a pledge. So Americans worshiping government over God. An extremely rare safety move by a nation. 17 years the Palestinians and Israelis negotiated. Welcome to In the Market with Janet Parshall. Get your passport handy because we're going to wing our way down under in a bit and catch up with our favorite Scottish apologist who has lots of opinions about things that are happening in the world today, all of them emanating from a biblical perspective. But before we do, I want to give you some news and I want to start with something that happened in the Netherlands today. It is literally unprecedented. I want you to hear how this court began its unconscionable hearings. Have a listen. South Africa contends that the acts and omissions by Israel of which it complains are genocidal in character because, I quote, they are intended to bring about the destruction of a substantial part of the Palestinian national, racial, and ethnical group, that being the part of the Palestinian group in the Gaza Strip, end of quote. South Africa asserts that the relevant acts are attributable to Israel which has failed to prevent genocide and is committing genocide, and which has also violated and continues to violate other fundamental obligations under the Genocide Convention. The application places Israel's genocidal acts and omissions within the broader context of Israel's 75-year apartheid, 56-year occupation, and 16-year siege imposed on the Gaza Strip, a siege which itself has been described by the director of UNRWA affairs in Gaza as a silent killer of people. 
So for South Africa to bring this charge is unconscionable. It doesn't even pass the straight face test given its history of apartheid. But you need a little history on the ICJ, or as it is often referred to, the World Court. Now, I will tell you immediately, I have major issues with this World Court. It is based in The Hague in the Netherlands. It was established in 1949 as the UN's judicial arm to resolve international disputes between states and to issue advisory opinions on matters of international law at the request of UN entities. It's not the same as the International Criminal Court, also, ironically, based in The Hague. That was established in 20, 2002 rather, by the Rome Statute and prosecutes individuals for war crimes, crimes against humanity, and genocide. Like a lot of treaties, the 1948 International Convention on the Prevention and Punishment of the Crime of Genocide, drafted after the Holocaust, indicates that the ICJ has jurisdiction to resolve disputes between its parties, which include Israel and South Africa, concerning the fulfillment of their obligations. So in other words, any country can bring any claim against any other country before the ICJ. But remember, this is the judicial arm of the U.N. If you have problems, as I do with the United Nations, it follows suit that you would, as I do, have problems with the world court. So ICJ's 15 judges were joined by additional ad hoc judges selected by Israel and South Africa, the two parties here, the two nation states in question. Uh, Israel has nominated a retired, the retired Supreme Court president, the Israeli Supreme Court, and a Holocaust survivor. And South Africa has nominated a former deputy chief justice. So what South Africa is saying against the nation of Israel is that they are meeting out genocide. Nothing could be farther from the truth. In fact, our own Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, clearly stated on January 9th that it is a meritless case. Israel has accused South Africa of a, quote, absurd blood libel, adding that the allegations are baseless and stoke anti-Semitism. They're right on both counts. And if anyone is guilty of genocide, it's Hamas, which carried out the genocidal attack on October 7th. We just seem to keep forgetting that over and over again. This goes back to the conversation we had just yesterday with Ray Comfort in his new book, Volatile, where he talks about the Bible naming specific countries. This is the fulfillment of prophecy, specific countries that are going to be coming against Israel. Absolutely fabulous. If you're interested in getting a copy of that book, just go to livingwaters.org, livingwaters.org. But I digress. And if you missed that conversation, go back to our podcast, In the Market with JanetParshall.org. Left-hand side, you see the words past programs. Download the broadcast from yesterday or any of the two hours we do every day going back a full year. But you do want to hear my conversation with Ray because he talked about the fact that what's happening in Israel can, in fact, because it deals with prophecy, open doors of opportunity for evangelism. And the gospel changes everything. So going back to what happened at The Hague, this is an unprecedented move, by the way, and it follows through the animus that we hear constantly at the United Nations should likewise now be played out in front of the International Court of Justice. But again, for South Africa to be bringing this claim is ridiculous. It took years for a panel of judges to rule on the spurious genocidal claim. South Africa has asked that it will take, by the way, years to rule on this. South Africa has asked the judges to issue a restraining order of sorts in the coming weeks that could, among other things, 
call on Israel to halt its efforts to root out Hamas and rescue the remaining hostages until a verdict is reached. Now, this is why Craig and I have multiple problems with this. The minute you get an international court, this is the U.N., by the way, reaching its long arm of intrusion into another country and telling them what to do, you have robbed that nation of national sovereignty. Go back and read Acts 17, where God puts boundaries in place. I challenge you again to read what happened at the Tower of Babel and an arrogant man by the name of Nimrod. So these boundaries are put in place for a specific reason. The minute we cede to an international governmental body, you violate the concept of national security. So even if the ICJ decides to rule that Israel has to respond to some kind of a restraining order, like this is a domestic issue in an American court, I wonder whether or not Israel would follow through with that. I doubt they would. Israel has two demands that must be met no matter what. Number one, as Benjamin Netanyahu has said just yesterday, this is not about going against the Palestinian people. Israel, of course, this doesn't get reported in the news because the news is markedly anti-Semitic. In fact, we're going to talk later about the biggest media outlet in the U.K., running a story that wasn't substantiated and was absolutely 100% false. But they printed it anyway. And so Israel must dismantle Hamas. They drop leaflets to tell people, get out, we're going to bomb. They've kept doors open. They're trying to bring in aid. I talked to Tom Doyle last hour, who was just back from Israel, who said that they try to bring relief trucks into Gaza and Hamas shoots Palestinians so that they're not able to get their aid. I, I, I bet the ICJ won't hear that today. But the bottom, the number second, the second reason that they have to hold fast is the hostages have to be returned. Hamas dismantle, hostages returned. Otherwise, this is just the beginning of biblical prophecy being fulfilled. Back after this. Heaven, hell, angels, the Trinity, all of these are foundational issues for believing Christians. But do you understand what you believe? That's why I've chosen I Believe, a concise guide to the essentials of the Christian faith as this month's truth tool. Know what you believe and why you believe it. Ask for your copy of I Believe when you give a gift of any amount to In the Market. Call 877-JANET-58, that's 877-JANET-58, or go to inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org. Got your passports? Good. This is going to be a wonderful flight. No turbulence, no pat down from TSA. We're going to land right in the land down under. That's where we're going to find our friend David Robertson, who's working as an evangelist with Australian churches. This is a man who is a beautiful biblical apologist. If doors of opportunity open, he goes. And so he works in education, media, churches, any form of outreach possible as a speaker, a writer, and a broadcaster. And he shares the good news of the gospel by applying the whole truth of the whole world, of the whole word to the whole world. And he does it beautifully. By the way, his most recent book is called Seek More Real World Questions, More Real Word Answers. I say that slowly because it's an important title. This follows on the heels of Ask Real World Questions, Real Word Answers. So seek, ask, and yet, if you can figure out that Bible verse, you know what's coming next. So David, the warmest of welcomes. I am thrilled that you're here. And I'm actually going to start with something that you just happened to tweet out, speaking of animosity against Israel. And I was stunned. You know, I have Scottish blood coursing through my veins. And so I follow what happens in the Scottish Parliament. Um, They have restrictions. It's not the same as the Parliament that's in London, but at least there's a form of self-governance, finally moving Scotland more and more toward independence. But why in the world are they weighing in? Because they don't have this authority. Why are they weighing in on condemning Israel? Talk to me about this. 
Oh, yeah. Okay. Hi, Janet. Uh, uh, as always, good to be with you. I was uh, a little bit amused when you said there would be no turbulence. You're speaking to a Scot. There's going to be lots of turbulence. Um, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and, and listen, tomorrow, I've just come off the phone, believe it or not, to my friend Keith Getty, who I believe you're having on tomorrow. I am. Yes. Oh, how, what a small so, world. Oh, my. So you're you're a very brave woman because basically you're getting a Scot and then an Ulster Scot and you're expecting no turbulence. <laughs> well, ask me about my conversation with him about bagpipes because he thinks our pipes yeah. are horrible, that his pipes are the ones that are melodic. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's a tasteless man. You can tell him I said that. Um, <laughs> I will quote yeah. you directly, yeah. sir. <laughs> yeah, hasn't hasn't a clue about music, you know. Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, listen, what the, 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 this thing you mentioned about Scotland, this is a very interesting, look, let, if you go the most charitable route, you can say that this is the virtue signaling yeah, cause of the moment for liberal progressives. You know, mm -hmm. you have to wear the Palestine thing. You have to be against the quote unquote genocide, which it is not, it is not, it is horrible, but it is not genocide. Um, they demean words all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and you could say they're just going along with that. But in actual fact, the, the politician I was responding to is a woman called Maggie Chapman. And uh, I have no doubt whatsoever this, this, if Israel was not involved with this, she wouldn't be involved. So that lets you know everything. Mm. You know, there are 2 million Congolese who've been killed. There are a quarter of a million Yemenis who've been killed. There's a million Syrians who've been killed. What's happening with the Armenians in Nagorno-Karabakh? Yes, yes. Uh, they've been they've been expelled. You know, they've been really ethnically cleansed. What's happening with the Uyghurs? You can argue that is absolutely in the UN definition of it. That is genocide. Um, the reason, if Israel or the Jews were doing any of that. Maggie Chapman and others would be on it like a flash. Uh, Jeremy Corbyn, the former Labour leader, is at the uh, court in The Hague just now uh, supporting mm. South Africa. Mm. Now, he's only there because it's Israel. He's not there for the Uyghurs. He's not there for the Rohingya in Myanmar. You know, he's not there for the other persecuted peoples of the world. He's there because he, he talked of Hamas as being his friends. So it is a, I, I find it really disturbing. So what your listeners won't know is the Scottish Parliament is a devolved parliament, or maybe they do, maybe they're well up on Scottish politics, but it's a, it's a devolved parliament and it has no locus whatsoever in foreign affairs. That is still the UK government. And yet the Scottish Parliament has passed, I think if I remember rightly, it's certainly over 50, I think it was 57 motions against Israel in, in the course of its history. Now it, them passing something is utterly useless because they have no power in it whatsoever. But they haven't passed motions against uh, the Chinese or uh, against other groups. And all that smacks to me is just good, old-fashioned anti-Semitism, yeah. or to put it another way, just hatred of the Jews. Exactly. And I, I'm a historian. You see it in history all the time. I'm seeing it today. I, I, I'm utterly gobsmacked. I usually can... I usually perceive trends. I've known anti-Semitism is there and will always be there. Um, but I never expected in my lifetime to see Germans marching on the streets of Berlin uh, chanting death to the Jews. I never expected to see it in Australia. I haven't expected to see it. Um, there are some very influential American media people 
Uh, and they're not all um, left-wing progressives. Some of them are right-wing. And what, what I see them putting out, it's actually stomach-churningly sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, I just went to see a, 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 by the way, a marvelous film. If you get to see it, please go and see it. It's a, a called One Life. It's the story of Sir Nicholas Winton, or at least not the story, but yes. nine months in his life mm. when he rescued over 600 Jewish, mainly Jewish children in Czechoslovakia and got them out to the UK. Um, it is an incredible film. I mean, I'm uh, a Scotsman. I don't show much emotion except on football terraces, <laughs> and that's usually negative, but <laughs> I sat there. I mean, if I'd had a bucket of hankies, I, I would have gone through them all because it was just but stunningly beautiful. But I tell you what, it reminded mm. me again, look, it's within living memory that six yes. million Jews were killed. Yes, yes, yes. When these people are chanting from the river to the sea, Palestine shall be free, what they mean is not just free of Israel and the end of the Jewish state, but free of Jews. That's right. You know, it, it, it is utterly horrific. And it's ironic, but typical of modern society that people who are going to The Hague complaining about genocide are at the same time asking for it. Yeah. This is so crucial. I want to come back to this, David, because I've said over and over and over again that at its root, this is a spiritual issue and the church, capital C, Universal, needs to understand this. By the way, the film that you referenced, it's not yet here in the States. It stars Anthony Hopkins. And it was interesting because um, I just saw over Christmas a special that explained who this man was. So I'm so glad I got the backstory before I get to see the dramatized version of this, but it's on my must-see list. So thank you for that endorsement. So when we come back, again, you have a a female member of the Scottish Parliament sending a letter today saying she supports the position of South Africa against Israel and its accusation of genocide at The Hague. Back after this. Pastor, teacher, evangelist, writer, biblical apologist. I could go on and on. That's who our friend David Robertson is, who joins us where it's a different part of the globe, the bottom half. Although from his perspective, he probably thinks I'm at the bottom half. (laughs) And it's tomorrow when it's today here and it's evening and it's day there. But I'll tell you what, we are on the same track. It doesn't make any difference when it comes to applying the scripture to the world around us. And so your tweet today, David, is so apropos because I am just, I am sickened to see what the the UN legal arm has done at The Hague today in this International Court of Justice, where South Africa, of all nations, which it's, with its horribly tattered record, brings this accusation of genocide against Israel. But what's problematic is then when I discovered that the Scottish Parliament has done the same thing over 50 motions condemning Israel. And let me go back, if I can, to Maggie Chapman's litter, because she directed this, by the way, uh, to what was going on at The Hague, saying that she was in support of South Africa. So you said, and I believe you're right on, that this is nothing but a clear manifestation of marked anti-Semitism. So That raises an interesting question because, as you pointed out so beautifully in your tweet, she hasn't condemned what China's done to the Uyghurs or in Tibet or Pakistan's blasphemy laws or the ethnic cleansing of the Armenians or the massacre of Nigerian Christians. Just last hour, we talked about 140 Christians that were butchered in Nigeria on Christmas Eve. And our State Department puts out countries of particular concern, and Nigeria wasn't even on that country, sadly, and very disturbingly. So it raises the question, and this is a spiritual question more than anything else. 
where does this anti-Semitic mentality emanate from? I, mean, I don't know how many, I don't know if Maggie Chapman's got a lot of connection with Jewish people, but hatred has to come from somewhere. Hamas is now running summer camps, has for quite some time, teaching young people how to hate the Jews and how to go after them. So there's training, there's input, there's fingerprinting of the human heart that has to take place. Where does this come from, from your perspective? Oh, I, I have no question that it's from the pit of hell. I mean, mm. I think that it, it is astonishing that if if you look at the kind of history of the world, there's this tiny nation that is inconsequential in the world's eyes, and that's the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. And they should never have survived. I mean, the great French philosopher, uh, Pascal, said that one of the great proofs for God was the continued existence of the Jews. Mm-hmm. The Jews not only survived, but they have survived massacre after massacre after massacre, pogrom after pogrom after pogrom. Uh, you know, just, but it's astonishing that they continue. Now, there are Christians who believe, there are other Christians who don't believe, but there are Christians who believe that the reestablishment of the state of Israel is a fulfillment of prophecy, and I think that's probably correct. Mm-hmm. But whether that be the case or not, the fact is that the Jewish people remain those whom God gave his covenant to, those whom God, Jesus was a Jew. You know, I keep coming back to that. Jesus is a Jew. Paul was a Jew. The disciples were Jews. And yes, many Jews rejected Jesus. And the same as with others who reject Jesus, then they face God for that. But the reality is we owe so much to the Jews. And I think that the devil wants to destroy the Jews And it seems to me that amongst Western liberal progressives, hatred of the Jews is the one permissible discrimination. Hmm. Now, they will deny that. They will say, oh, no, no, we're not against uh, uh, the Jews. We're just against the Israeli government. That is absolute nonsense. Uh, Being against Israel. So, I mean, let's just go back to Maggie Chapman. Is she really, really concerned about the plight of children, let's say. Never mind who they are, so just children. Um, Well, if she is, she should be concerned about the Yemeni children, the Uyghur children, and so Mm -hmm. on. But -hmm. speaking of genocide, this is where the hypocrisy really gets me. If you really are against slaughtering children and genocide children, you will be against abortion. Hmm. You know, and and the, the fact that this is a woman who promotes abortion on demand up to nine months. The fact that that she's also somebody who's really pushing conversion therapy laws in Scotland. Basically, there's, I don't know if you saw this, there's another item of news whereby uh, the Telegraph reported that if a parent opposes their child changing mm-hmm. their gender, they could go to jail for seven years. Yep. You know, it, it's astonishing. Now, I... I that there are, you can look at what Israel is, is doing in Gaza and you critique, you can critique it. But the critique that's given is entirely out of balance. And my, my point to them all is extremely simple. The area, um, there's an area between Glasgow and Edinburgh, which is a very short distance, it's 40 miles. Um, 3,000 rockets fell on that. Believe you me, if 3,000 rockets, let's say, came from Northern Ireland or from England into the area between Glasgow and Edinburgh, uh, Maggie Chapman and others would be calling for nuclear war. I mean, uh, what, what the Israelis have had to put up with is astonishing. What the Palestinians have to put up with is astonishing, primarily because of Hamas and Iran. That's the problem. The problem is uh, 
this whole thing could be ended if Hamas gave up its hostages and gave up its aim to destroy Israel. Mm -hmm. That's all that has to happen. But I don't yep. see Maggie Chapman calling for that. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. You know, so I, I find the whole thing profoundly disturbing. And let me tell you this: uh, there are three Jewish schools in Scotland. Some of my Jewish friends have had to tell their kids not to wear school uniforms, and there've been police armed guards and everything. It it is horrific. Wow, in Scotland, no less, uh, unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, I, I underscore. Again, your astute observations, but at its base, and this is where our friends have to understand, this is a spiritual issue. And as you said before, this emanates right from the pit of hell. And again, it all we've talked over and over and over again about these, quote, pro-Palestinian protests. What is the chant? From the river to the sea. That means from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Ocean, drive the Jews out. In other words, they're advocating, as David said before, for genocide. And the paradox is... They're being accused, Israel is, of genocide. Back after this. When we tackle tough issues on In the Market, do you find yourself nodding in agreement? Then why not take the next step today and become a partial partner? Your monthly gift will help to keep us on the air, and you'll receive exclusive behind-the-scenes resources directly from me, like a transcript of my weekly commentary, an exclusive weekly audio briefing, and more. Become one of our partial partners today by calling 877-JANET-58 or go online to InTheMarketWithJanetPartial.org. Always, always, always enjoy our conversation with David Robertson because he has a bibliocentric worldview. What does that mean? It means that the Bible is the grid through which he sees the world around him. Dwight L. Moody, you've often heard me say this, and I'll say it again because it's worth repeating and remembering. Dwight L. Moody called the Word of God the straight stick of truth. How do you measure the crooked ideas out there in the marketplace if you don't have a plumb line? And that's what the Word of God is. David does this beautifully. When a door opens, he goes, whether he's writing or speaking or preaching or broadcasting, he knows how to apply the full counsel of God to the world around him. And for that, I'm very grateful. You brought this up. I want to go back to it because I think it's part, again, I'm going to just say it, and I'm unapologetic about saying it, that the root of so many of these cultural controversies are really spiritual in nature. We just talked about anti-Semitism coming from the pit of hell. So is the attempt to undo the Genesis mandate. So when the scriptures de declare without blush, or embarrassment, or hesitation that male and female, he created them both. That if you wake up one morning and you feel like somebody else, you have the liberty to feel that way. But as Brother Paul says, is it profitable? Probably not. But now we've got government intruding, advancing an agenda from the pit of hell. In California, they're talking about legislation where parents can be charged with child abuse if you don't affirm your pre-adolescent or adolescent child's identity of someone of the other sex. There's a case now petitioning for writ of certiorari before the Supreme Court coming out of Indiana, where Christian parents were accused initially of child abuse. Thanks be to God, that's been expunged. But now the child is still 15 years old at the time, is being held in foster care because there's a disagreement between the teenager and the parents on his sexual orientation and his wanting to be a girl instead of a boy. So I was stunned when I thought, Scotland now Scottish parents could face seven years in jail for preventing kids from dressing in a way that reflects, reflects their sexual orientation or gender identity. 
what is it about the trans issue, particularly in Scotland, and what like what's the li- likelihood that this would in fact become law? Because this is a direct assault. Any parent who wants to protect their child, but particularly Christian parents who believe that God designed us, knit us together, formed us, made the decision, and therefore we honor His sovereignty on who we are. So Christian parents are going to be very much in the crosshair of this. Where is this hatred coming from? Okay, um, there's. I'm going to do this. Uh, uh, answer this a slightly different way. In that, there is a, a French historian called Emmanuel Todd, and he's just come out with an interview with a French magazine called Le Point um, or Le Point, <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's it. He says that Western decline can be attributed to the vaporization of Protestantism. And he's Mm. basically saying that the collapse of the Western world, and this is very interesting, you know, I'm assuming he may come from a Catholic background, uh, uh, that basically uh, the Protestant matrix, he says, has disappeared at the height of American power. Uh, And he talks about how the values of Protestantism were educational effectiveness, relationship to work, and so on, integrating the individual into the community, et cetera, et cetera. It's a fascinating letter, and I've been thinking about it, article, and I've been thinking about it in terms of my own country, Scotland, because I've seen Scotland deteriorate phenomenally. And by the way, there is a real warning here for America. I mean, I know lots of people in America tend to think, well, depending where you are, hey, we could never really go that far downhill. Yeah, you can, and you could go even quicker than us. Mm -hmm. Uh, We went very, very very, very quickly. Um, when you abandon the scriptures, you you basically are torpedoing your your whole society. And that's what's happened with us. So you get, it's not even that it, it, this is not just an emotional thing. This is an irrational thing. It's irrational. So the Scottish government, for example, I've seen their spokespeople saying, we are proposing that it would be criminal to seek to suppress or change anyone's sexuality. What if your sexuality is pedophilia? Hmm. Would that be wrong to suppress that? Mm-hmm. And then they're talking about conversion therapy, and it depends what they mean by it. You see, in, in most people's mind, conversion therapy means things like, uh, I don't know, um, electrocution or you know, forcing something. You know, say, no, you will not be gay, and we're going to torture you into. You know, I mean, that's ridiculous, and mm-hmm. it's wrong, and it's already illegal and already wrong, and no Christian should endorse that. But what they mean by conversion conversion therapy is anything that might be deemed harmful or suppress any sexuality. Uh, uh, And it's interesting, by the way, what they don't mean is if you are a teenage girl and you've been watching YouTube and maybe someone has suggested to you the reason that you're feeling miserable is because you're actually really a boy and you want to go and get a double mastectomy, oh, that's fine. You can do that kind of conversion which is incredibly harmful. Mm-hmm. So you're allowed to do that kind of harmful. But if someone came to me, and this would, this this all has already happened to me in Scotland. Um, I'm now in Australia, as you know, and I, there are parts of Australia where it's very similar. But if someone came and said, David, you know, I'm really struggling with, uh, you know, reading gay pornography, or to be honest, you know, looking at heterosexual pornography, and I say, okay, so w- I tell you what, um, what do you want me to do? And they say, well, can you pray for me? I say, okay, let's pray. I would be breaking the law. And I could go to jail for praying for somebody mm-hmm. who asked me to pray for them. Because yeah. the other thing they say is they don't care. It's consensual. So it's funny how, you know, oh, well, uh, human autonomy, I can do what I want. I want to kill myself. That's fine. I want to uh, have genital manipulation 
manipulation for myself, that's fine. I want to take drugs, that's fine. But I want to seek counseling for unwanted sexual thoughts. No, 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 you can't do that. You, you don't have the maturity to do that. that so the, it's, it's irrational. It's crazy. Again, I, it, it, we're coming back to the Jewish thing almost. I think the root of it is demonic. I got in so much trouble in Scotland for actually suggesting this five years ago, more than five years ago. But I, I maintain that actually events have proven me to be right. This is an attempt to dismantle and to destroy. And ultimately, it comes from the one who wants to destroy yes. what God has made in his image. That's exactly right. Exactly right. You know, uh, Sturgeon wanted to be able to do this for kids as young as 16. But interestingly, it was blocked by the UK government. So we've seen a devolution even since she's left office as well. Uh, this is a philosophical question, but I'd love your take on this. <clears throat> because this has happened so quickly in Scotland, and thank you for the very clear and apt warning that if it can happen in Scotland, it can happen here, and it, we would collapse faster and are, by the way, than what we are seeing in Scotland. But why has this juggernaut moved forward so quickly, do you think? Oh, I think uh, I think that the negative side is because we've abandoned Christianity. Mm -hmm. And as a result, we stopped thinking. And as a result, we've become a largely illiterate uh, uh, country in many, in many ways. 20% of Scots are functionally illiterate. But, and here's another warning for the United States, um, the cultural Marxism in education is incredibly dangerous. Now, I'm not a conspiracy theorist in any sense whatsoever. And by the way, when people want to, to dismiss what you say, they just call you a conspiracy theorist. But I am not a conspiracy theorist. But here's what is happening. In a proper Christian-based education system, it should be not that we teach children what to think, but we teach them how to think. Mm -hmm. Because we believe that God is logos, logical, and we think children can think for themselves, and we believe in the Holy Spirit and so on. We don't believe in brainwashing. But when you take God out of that, what we've ended up with is an education system in which children are being taught what to think. And that's why even amongst the elitist organizations, and we've, we've been watching, I, I've been watching both with horror and with uh, delight uh, to some extent at the shambles in Harvard recently. Mm -hmm. But I will guarantee you that 90% of students in Harvard think exactly the same way. Yes. Because they're mm -hmm. not allowed to think any other way. Um, yeah. In fact, the, yeah, and, and it's so, so dangerous. So we've moved from a world that 10 years ago, you know, that if anyone had said a, a boy can become a girl or sex is something assigned at birth, we would have all just said, yeah, you're, you're off, you know, fringe lunatic. Now, if you deny that, you're a bigot. You know, and it's astonishing. And this hasn't taken place amongst ordinary people. It's primarily taken place amongst the elites. And what's happening is the elites are indoctrinating our children. Mm -hmm. And even sometimes in so-called Christian schools, what's called queer theory has uh, is, is taking hold. Now, you don't have to react by going completely the opposite. You just need a balanced biblical worldview. And I'm sorry, look, there's men and there's women. There's people who are confused. There are different ways that we express our gender. You know, I don't care if a woman's a mechanic, wants to wear overalls. Here's the irony, by the way, with the transgender stuff, suddenly all these gender stereotypes come back in. You know, mm -hmm. why, why, why is it feminine, you know, to, you, you've got to wear, you know, Make lipstick up and a dress. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, and suddenly <laughs> you're a woman. 
you know, if I put on lipstick and a dress, does that make me a woman? I mean, I, I was laughing because there was a kid once as I, I, you know, I get invited to Sunday school sometimes and there was a Sunday school, a Q and a Q&A with a bunch of kids. And uh, <laughs> this boy, 10 year old boy trying to be smart said, I like putting on lipstick to annoy my dad. Is that okay? And the teachers are looking at me going, don't answer him, don't answer him, don't answer him. You know, <laughs> you get in trouble. And I said, do you do it to annoy your dad? And he said, yeah. I said, well, you carry on, son, because that's what kids are supposed to do. And, and they're looking at me absolutely horrified. And I said, I said, on the other hand, if you did it because you wanted to be a girl, he said, oh, I don't want to be a girl. I said, oh, that's fine. I said, but, but if you did do it because you wanted to be a girl, you realize how wrong that would be and how insulting to all the girls here. You're a boy, you can't become a girl. And becoming a girl doesn't mean that you wear lipstick. You know, and it's funny when you talk to kids, they get it. But it seems our elites are absolutely stuck. And, you know, am I even saying that in some areas of the US, Scotland and uh, here? I mean, I would get in a lot of trouble, but I'm going to say it anyway, because it's the truth. Amen. And we are directed to speak the truth always with love, but we are directed to speak the truth. It's never an either or. It is a both end. And in a day where man is doing what's right in their own eyes, The truth is more important than it's ever been before. You did a podcast recently looking at the year that is to be, and you've put forth the idea that maybe this might be the year when the trans bubble bursts. I want to get your thoughts on that when we return. Back after this. We're talking to David Robertson, who joins us from Australia. If you haven't gotten his book, Seek, you should. And if you have gotten already, Seek, Did you get Ask? Because both of those books go in tandem and they're extremely important. So check it out. I've got the information on my website. I do want to ask you about your podcast and sort of looking forward to the year ahead. But because we have woven a conversation about anti-Semitism and Israel through this, and I referenced this when I started my hour together, talk to me about the BBC. You've talked a lot in your blogs and uh, when you've tweeted out about the BBC. They actually ended up removing a story with claims by Hamas that the IDF had been executing Gaza civilians. Now, this story is germane, particularly in light of what's happening at The Hague today at the International Court of Justice. Um, But the the BBC ends up removing this story after this claim is made, but doesn't say uh, enough, but not enough effort was put forward to corroborate uh, Hamas's accusations. In other words, the BBC has apologized for this report but where was the vetting? Where was the fact-checking? Here in the United States, ad nauseum, David, we're hearing about disinformation, misinformation. The European Union's talking about this as well, for goodness sakes. So here's the BBC who doesn't vet this story and just goes as and prints, prints it. For people who don't know the BBC, they have a long, tattered history of being markedly anti-Semitic to begin with. So talk to me about your take on the BBC. While they apologize, it's great, but does it tell you the animus in the newsroom? Yeah, I think it does. I mean, I think the BBC, to be fair to the BBC, it has some great programs and it has some very good reporters and a, a lot is not anti-Semitic. And yet in its Middle East department, mm-hmm. there, there it, it, it's a bit like the New York Times. I mean, mm-hmm. the New York Times uh, hired a, a, an apologist for Hamas to comment, the guy who'd been uh, actually convicted, I think. Um, and you wonder, why would you do that? You know, you, you uh, to me... Um, with the BBC, the problem is you get things like, for example, they would say things like the IDF claim that, and they would say claim, you know, whereas they would say things like 20,000 people have been killed in Gaza. Mm-hmm. Well, that's coming straight from Hamas and Hamas yeah, lie yes. all the time, mm-hmm. right. you know, and when you get that children, by the way, Hamas 
count as children anyone under 18. A significant number, if not the majority of Hamas fighters are teenagers, mm -hmm. you know. And so when a, a, a teenager is throwing a grenade or firing a rocket uh, at an Israeli soldier and they're killed, that's just another child that's being killed. So, I mean, they say that truth is the first casualty of war. And I think sometimes people just record incidents that they, I mean, look, are there Israeli soldiers who will have committed atrocities? Are there mistakes that have been made? Absolutely. And for someone to deny that is really very unwise. War is horrific. War is horrible and horrible things will happen. But equally, is it the case that it, Israel is indiscriminately killing Palestinians. No, it is not the case. There are far more Israeli soldiers being killed precisely because they refuse to do that. You know, so I'm I'm not going to be an apologist for everything that Israel does. I'm not going to deny that atrocities can happen, but I am going to refuse to listen to those who are driven by an ideological prejudice, which makes them believe the the best of Hamas and the worst of Israel all the mm -hmm. time. And mm -hmm. whilst that's not the whole BBC, I would certainly say that it's not the whole BBC. I would say there, uh, there are a significant number of people who um, are put in that category. I noticed today, I mean, the, the, the pits in all of this is social media because you keep getting sent all this stuff. I don't know why X, and I really must talk to Mr. Mr. Musk, <laughs> why X think that um, I am interested in all these people who keep telling me how Netanyahu is worse than Hitler, which is one of the most offensive things that could ever be said to a Jew. Mm, yes. You know, uh, and, and yet, so the BBC is not in that league, but I would say because it's a much more respected organization, exactly. its biases mm -hmm. and it's, he see, it's, head it's the headlines that count. How many people read past the headlines? Mm hmm you know, and for me, I've, I've almost given up on secular or mainstream news organizations uh, I, I prefer magazines and I prefer more in-depth articles. And to be honest, I prefer the people who write me from all over the world for my own podcast and tell me some of the stuff that's going on, you know, because sometimes they don't report things. They don't mm -hmm. report the millions of people marching in France in defense of marriage or the German farmers objecting mm -hmm. to the climate change measures being taken mm -hmm. in Germany. That's right. You know, and, and, and for me, the New York Times and the BBC and others, unfortunately, um, they've become, I wouldn't say yet, they're complete propaganda outlets, but journalists now see themselves as activists rather than reporters. That's right. And th right. that's a real shame. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. By the way, for the record, this isn't the first time that the BBC has had to apologize for false reporting against the IDF. On November 15th, the same outlet, the BBC, apologized for falsely claiming that IDF forces were targeting medical teams in battle in and around the Al-Shifa hospital in Gaza. So trust but verify, Reagan said once. I think it's very important. And be a good Berean is the way I like to say it. Just check and just do your homework. There are all kinds of outlets. Just do your own research and check everything. So let me, because you talked about this, as you look toward 2024, well, I, it's encouraging. I hope you're spot on. Why do you think the trans bubble might burst? Well, because it's so insane, I, you know, and there are still a measure of, and because of just like normal people, I think, and I think because, partly because of what's happened in, in Harvard, but also there was a poll in the United States, which showed that a majority of people, I think it was about two thirds to one third, who rejected the idea of, of, of that changes occurring, that you can change your sex. So I'm hopeful 
that that will be the case. I think the devil often overplays his card and he may have overplayed it this time. Mm. But, you know, we're coming to the end and I just simply say, I'm looking to Christ and I'm looking to what the Bible teaches about humanity. And the more people that do that, the less we're going to go down the rabbit hole of the insanity that is progressive ideology. Amen. Amen. David, I got 30 seconds for believers. How should they start out 2024? Prayerfully. Um, mm. Just keep praying and don't don't despair. Don't give up on hope. Look, this, this is nothing new. And God's got it in hand. Very simple. Thank you, David, so much. And by the way, The We Flee, don't forget to go there. He's got a fabulous website. He's got a terrific podcast, by the way. Sometimes he just sits and talks about these issues, and you can get that in the podcast as well. And I encourage you to do that. But David is wonderful about applying the word to the world around us, and he's both a critical and a biblical thinker. And that's exemplary for the rest of us to do exactly the same thing. You came to faith in Christ. Your heart was transformed, but your mind was also renewed. Don't forget that. So again, go to the website. If you haven't gotten the book, Seek, which comes after his book, Ask, you should. It's a wonderful way of learning how to apply the word to the world around us. And we need that now more than ever. David and I had two lists that we could have talked about. We could have gone for hours and hours and hours. Suffice it to say, I'm already looking forward to our next conversation. So thank you, David. And thank you, friends. We'll see you next time on In the Market with Janet Parshall.